Comunidad, welcome to our cultura, a Radio Teco podcast by El Tecolote, San Francisco's bilingual newspaper since 1970. My name is Adriana Salinas. I'm a volunteer at El Tecolote, and I'll be today's host. In this episode, I talk to Andreina Maldonado, a multidisciplinary artist and driver for social change. We talked about her upbringing in Venezuela and the role art and music has played in her life. Andreina also explained how she uses art to bring awareness to social issues that the Latino community is facing. We also talked about various community efforts that she's involved in that have a focus to help people in need. Andreina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so, so very much. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, so I'm really excited to be talking with you today. Um, I was reading about you, seeing your material, and you're a mobilizer and leader in the arts. Um, you use art to drive social change and help people in need. And within the arts, you're also a multidisciplinary performer, so you're not only just focused on one thing. So I was really curious, has performing and the arts been a part of your life since growing up? <laughs> it's really it's really interesting to uh, hear someone speak about you and sometimes I'm like, oh wow, I don't I don't even that is so many things. I don't you know, it goes so beyond me. It really is just beyond who I am um, as Andreina, but um You know, the performing arts has, has been a part of my life since I was really young, yes. Um, I would say my first introduction to music particularly was when I was around six years old. And um, from there and then on playing percussion and learning how to, how to play with others as well and um, learning to read music, that was kind of the first introduction to what I could use with my body and what I could do with my body um, in, in the form of art. And from then on, it, it expanded to different things. Um, dance also was yet a huge part of my upbringing, but more from the family home, at inside the house, inside the family, um, with my father being a, an avid dancer and even my grandpa, my abuelito, he also was a big dancer in the city and and so using the body and uh, making jokes and kind of having this performative self uh, has has kind of been part, a part of me for a, for a long time and um, yeah it's interesting I think you know all Venezuelan people have this characteristic I would say <laughs> and you grew up in Venezuela right That's right. That's right. I grew up in a, in a small town in Venezuela called Maracay. And Maracay, uh, uh, interesting story, is the name of the chief um, indigenous people of the area. And so the, the name of my city, Maracay, was named after 
the chief of the indigenous people. And the state where I'm from is called Aragua. And the Arawas were the name of the indigenous folks that lived in that region in sort of the, the coastal region, very close to the Caribbean. And um, it's, it's a big city, you know, it's, it's not a small town in the sense of um, it, it's very close to the capital, Caracas. And so there's a lot of movement, a lot of commerce and, and things going on. But, you know, I, I suppose in, in our view, it would be uh, a smaller town, but um, it's a beautiful place and um, very close to the beach. So I'm, I'm definitely a Caribbean, <laughs> a Caribbean soul. And what brought you all the way from there to San Francisco? Um... Yeah, that that has many, many layers to it. Uh, but I would say my father, my father migrated here to the United States. In, um, in fact, um, we were more, more of an East Coast, Middle, Midwest um, sort of my migrants that came to that side. And um, I, I was following him, you know, I um, had an opportunity, unlike many people in, back in that time, we're talking about um, like early 2000s, uh, when a lot of people were going, you know, leaving Venezuela, there was a lot of things going on there politically, still now, um, back then, things were really getting uh, dangerous i'd say and so i had that opportunity my dad had migrated and i followed after him uh, not really understanding the consequences of what that meant i was only 15 years old um, and to california right after college i finished my studies in in indiana indiana university and um, learned a whole bunch about the earth the connection to the land uh, a whole bunch of indigenous wisdom and, and just stories of that, of, of the people there. And um, in Indiana, I really learned to take care of the land. Um, there's a, it's a huge permaculture community and something I really love and l love learning about. Um, but, but after that, I mean, 2013, after that, I said, okay, I need to, I need to work with my community. You know, I need to, um, do art and I need to work with my community. And so I knew California was, was a place that um, I had long dreamed of and knew of the, its support to immigrant people and to artists. And so it was a no brainer. Why, right when I was able to come, I packed my bags and drove all the way here from Indiana. <laughs> yes. And you're also part of that support. So it's interesting that you came here seeking that support and now you're very active in the community. You are the artistic director of Baile Colectivo, Cuerpos Sanos, Mentes Sanos, which in English means collective dance, healthy bodies and healthy minds. And, and I saw Baile Colectivo is providing free weekly bilingual classes in yoga, dance, uh, meditation, and many other different areas uh, in specific to low-income Latin American immigrant women that are domestic workers. Can you talk a bit more about this and the impact that this has? This has been a dream really come true. It's, it's really interesting. Diana, when you when you speak about when you speak about the work that I've been doing for 
uh, a few years now and, and seeing how it is seen uh, outside, it, it gives me great pride. Um, so I thank you. And, and this collaboration really came out of a, a need. A, um, we identified a need within the domestic worker community. The, the domestic worker community is a community that I've had the honor to work with here in the mission particularly, but it's really something that I have, that I've held dear in my heart for years because my mother is a domestic worker and I really consider myself a domestic worker. I love the the work of being in your home and giving care to your loved ones, uh, caring in that way and cleaning the dust out and refreshing in the, in the energy, the air, all of that is um, such a magical work to me. It's literally magic <laughs> that the that domestic workers do. And so when I moved to San Francisco, it, that was a community that I just had the opportunity to, to begin a relationship with. And um, I was already dancing, avid dancer, uh, auditioning in different dance companies here in the city. And um, I got connected to Dance Mission Theater, which... Um, became a great supporter of my work. Uh, dance Mission Theater is a local nonprofit dance um, theater and a dance company for adults and, and uh, youth. And they're like, female-driven. They really center uh, traditional arts and really center, center artists, um, you know, artists of color, artists, immigrant artists, uh, people that are working in the ground. Um, and so they support the path and they really supported this vision so we I connected the two the women's collective and dance mission with a proposal to um, create space for these women who more than 90% of the women that come to this country to do house cleaning work is their immigrants immigrant women of color um, majority elderly women so women that are in their 40s plus and like 50s and 60s and up. So it's a particular demographic. And so what's their first job in this country is domestic work, you know? So um, one that that's really how that got started. And it's rooted to me in a, in a, in a passion for uh, women's issues, women's rights, and also mother earth rights, because to me, the two are incredibly parallel to me both experience the same kinds of um, harm and the same kinds of um, just patterns and archetypes and and that's fascinating to me and so um, I want to restore as much as I can that source that source of life for the women domestic workers immigrant women um, women that are low-wage workers and that care for others the way that they would care for their own families. They care for the home and that they care for a person in the same way Mother Earth, you know, Mother Earth cares for uh, her children, for us, for all of the animals and the, and the plants and it fosters and it gives without ever wanting anything in return and, and yet both experience the same kinds of destruction and exploitation and that area of work has fascinated me for 
many years now and, and I want to make a, a theater piece about it. So <laughs> we'll see. Obviously, all of it will be led by workers in my, in my vision. <laughs> One thing I'm curious is we're talking about Baile Colectivo and you're talking about um, how it focuses a lot on low-income domestic workers. Um, and I assume since you're very involved with this that you are you get to talk to the community a lot. So what has been the reception of this program? Like, have you gotten any insights from the people that are doing the classes and how this has impacted them? Yes, that's that's a beautiful question because um, I think that that's really what's moved this project in, in the way that it has a, in only, <laughs> only a few, four years since we started. Um, the, the women that I work with directly, they have um, access to, to a space for themselves again. They have created a space for them where they can come and see other women and find and, and meet, see, see the body, be with the body, just either if it's sitting and meditating, breathing, or doing simple movements, re restorative movements, uh, whether it's dancing. Uh, I think that gi they giving themselves that time, uh, I think, it's what I hear, it's of empowerment to them. They love the content. The content is, um, it's great. But when you make the time yourself to do the thing that you know nourishes your body, I think that that's the moment when something in your brain switches. You know, it's like becoming a new habit and, um, it's beautiful, you know, since we started uh, every grant opportunity that we've identified and applied for, we've received. And that to me speaks on a, not only the, the need for seeing these type of things, but really the funders knowing that this, this is a work that needs to happen and that maybe it was just the right time, you know, maybe it could have been someone else different than me. But the point, the point is that it needed to be activated. It, it, it's a, um, a community that didn't have access to the arts, to the, um, the studio time, to the theaters and to uh, access to a yoga class, you know, all of these things. And um, you don't really, you, it's easy to say, and you almost want to say, well, you know, the, People can always save and go to a class if they want, but there are so many um, barriers, psychological barriers, emotional, and of course the day-to-day -day of of having to go to work and having kids and being single mother and whatnot. And so, you know, really think about um, what's preventing you from going, really. And so, when we take away that barrier and we when we give this the service, the offering in their space at their time, uh, it, it creates this very special space. And, um, you know, I've learned a lot. I, the, the women have this power, well, women have this power of telling you straight up when you're doing something. Um, 
wrong or when you could be better, you know? And that's really what I've learned in this entire process is to always really bring the women in the forefront of all the conversations as much as possible. And I really hope that I continue to lead in that way. I oftentimes think to myself, wow, this program is really growing and um, it's really needed and we can, we, we're seeing all of this support from new allies and new, new, new grants and things that we can, you know, apply for. And I just want to always make sure that the voice of the women, the voice of the low wage worker, of the immigrant woman is at the forefront of all of this. And so, um, yes, it, it's a transformative feeling when you begin making time for yourself, making time again for your arts, for your creativity, uh, for your imagination. And um, it's contagious too. So um, I feel like the women were looking for this, were, were, were wanting this, and it just needed, someone needed to spark the fire, you know. And I'm really grateful, really proud that for now, that person is me leading this project and it's fulfilled me in ways, um, unimaginable ways. And it's continues to even feeding into my, my personal, um, art, you know, the way that I see now the world is, it's really special, really special. It's interesting that you bring that up because I want to talk a bit about that next. So you're talking about you make time to help others, you're teaching others, but also for you to create your own art and express your ideas. So I'm curious, what are some of the types of stories that you like to tell through your performances? I love, I think one of the things that inspires me the most is nature. It just continues to, ever since little, you know, we change. So I feel like I'm, I'm less naive and and in some ways less imaginative than I was in when I was really young. But when I was young, I just could get lost in in the trees and, uh, <laughs> you know, with with my pet, like the, really the that whole world of the non-human center existence has always inspired me. And so in some ways, I know that my work brings that in and, um, I think wants to be as chaotic and as um, nebulous sometimes as as Earth can be to me. You know, not so structured, but uh, anything can happen at any moment. There's a lot of improvisation in nature, so you know, I that those things inspire my work, um, and 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 so yeah, they cosmology of course the the connection to to an indigenous identity that perhaps we don't know what it is you know perhaps we don't and i feel lucky that i was born in a place where that is a more visibly seen you know because of the way we look we're all latinos we all look in the same some same kind of way however that doesn't mean that we know exactly where what our indigenous ancestry is. Um, nonetheless, that's always been also another part of my inspiration to seek that identity, to understand it through 
the animals and through nature. Um, you know, what else inspired me? I mean, of course, um, the urban life inspires me. It's interesting because I grew up very in, in nature, but also in the concrete jungle, you know, in a, that interesting juxtaposition. And so, uh, of course, I want to, um, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to say that I want to be popular, you know, um, especially through the music that I do. But the reality is that I tend to be a little bit more explorative and, and more abstract, especially the older I get. <laughs> um, but that's why that's why I have my elders, you know, and I have the people I work with it because they, they clarify the, some of the messages. I'm also a Pisces, so you can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually curious, do you have a creative process or something that you notice that you tend to do when you're working on a new performance, a new song? Yes, you know, I am very mental. I can, I can, I feel that I can uh, create a whole piece in my mind. And then it takes me maybe four days to bring the pieces together, you know. But I, I feel like part of my process is to really be in my mind for for uh, a few days, you know. Hopefully with time and everything, let's say in the perfect world, we have the time. Um, yes, I, I, I sort of see the, the idea in my mind. I develop it. Um, the interesting thing about my work is that I have different elements that I like to work with and I feel comfortable in, I feel um, free in, which is movement and then the dance piece and then the theater piece, sort of like creating stories. And so um, I can I can spend days in each element and I try to put the time in the exploration a, sit in the exploratory phase, know that things don't need to be structured uh, and that the structure will come will come as I do. So I'm very much uh, uh, in the process person. I like to stay in the in the exploration a lot more and then things begin to fall together. Uh, I feel like that I um, like to, receive the signs whenever this expected. As I work, the work itself will show itself to you in time and will say, oh, these two pieces can be connected. And then I just go back into the studio and connect the two. I also, to me, one of the most important things is also collaborations, right? Like nothing happens alone. And so the more that I've done this work in, in San Francisco and uh, community work and Having now having a, a band of um, a musical band now that I'm working with and understanding that it, it really is about collaboration. It really is about having that open mindedness to bring in the ideas and building something together, you know. And, and I love that aspect of, of my process that I have constant collaborators work with me to create a sound, to create a, a movement, a phrase. A, dialogue and I think part just and to end I think one of the things that I love the most as well 
is to be directed. <laughs> I love to be directed. I love people to tell me what to do because <laughs> I just feel like sometimes I I have to take that role more often perhaps than not. And um, a lot of times I just want um, someone to just direct me so that I can be fully in the character or in the music. Um, that's also a fun part. So I like to do both. I like to... Uh, leading times and also I love to work with directors I think beautiful things come out of discipline because you know it's part of like it's almost like it's, it's almost like working with someone that gives you a lot of discipline and I like that <laughs> yes and I can definitely see that in some of your performances I was watching one that you did where you're talking about the Reina del Pueblo from Venezuela Um, and then you're, well, well, I guess, could you give a little bit of background on that since not all of our listeners might've seen that? Yes, that is a piece that I, um, developed alongside a beautiful director, wonderful director. Her name is Liz Duran-Bubion and she directs a dance company called Piñata Dance Company. And, um, we got together because, We, I was interested in exploring the history of beauty in Venezuela. It, it's interesting because Venezuela has had a long history of a, creating a societal image of what beauty means a, according to the Western world, you know? And so we've, as young, young people, we've just kind of been fed these ideals And um, that comes with, with dynamics such as really young people, I'm talking about teenagers, getting uh, plastic surgery to look like the people that they see on TV, which they all look the same. But I'm not, it's really not a criticism at this point. I embrace it. I, I did have my, <laughs> my ups and downs with that, uh, that po the politics of beauty in Venezuela, which It really can go as far as people doing risking their lives to get that surgery, to get that crown, to get that beauty contest. Because for a lot of women, that's how you get out of poverty. And so, of course, it makes so much sense. And it is it is an interesting topic in Venezuela, um, the whole Miss Universe and Miss Venezuela and how many Uh, of of the the women have won crowns, you know, globally, and it's almost like so silly to to say that, you know, like wow, how can people be so egocentric about how they look? But when you think about where that comes from and the history, then it makes sense, and that's what we explored in the in the theater piece, Miss Venezuela. It was an exploration of, of the history of that, of the politics of beauty and where it came from, and and why is it so why does it direct the lives of so many venezuelans at this point and um, we found out very interesting things the very first beauty pageant in venezuela happened in the 1980s between a very poor woman and a very rich woman they were the, the, the last two contestants and um, they were in some game uh, a baseball game that are so popular in venezuela in a small town and the entire community were celebrating and clapping and choosing the candidate who was at the lowest, you know, low 
uh, the poor candidate, I believe, um, I don't remember, I don't recall her name at the moment, Oli Clemente, I believe, and she was really poor. And so everyone around her chose her. She became the queen. And so that, I think, in many Venezuelans in that moment, represented almost like democracy, represented the poor people choosing and winning a their queen. And so it, it became a symbolism of people's... Um, decision-making, people's democracy, the poor people. And I think that that just sparked a whole a whole thing in, in the history since the 1940s and the 60s and 70s and um, winning Miss Universe crowns for year, consecutive years. And with that, you know, started coming the politics, the corruption, the, uh, the buying of uh, the women straight up. Now, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a big scandal. Um, it was in all like the all the pop, the celebrity shows, whatever, where um, yeah, there were a, a few women that participated in Miss Venezuela came out saying no, that they, in fact I had to, uh, I was put under really uncomfortable situations, meeting you know weird people and corrupt people and um, Osmel Sosa being. Um, what he said, demanded, you know, he was the president of Miss Venezuela and he stepped out because he was just a shitty guy. He would just put these women that were often very young, I'm talking about 19, 18, winning crowns and in, in really uncomfortable situations. And so that that's to say that um, women also have this sense of empowerment there, you know, this sense of ownership of their bodies. And so it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, I no longer hold any kind of resentment. In fact, I uh, respect each and every one of them, each and every person that wants to do whatever they want to the body, you know, is their choice. Um, I do believe that we have to uh, talk in community about what's going on and how we dismantle beauty and according to whom and according how they should look like, you know. Unfortunately, in some ways, South America is, it's, behind in some of the social issues you know here in san francisco we're so open uh, anyone can <laughs> dress like anything you know but when you go to Venezuela, the things is is different there's more judgment you know so um you know do do you but uh, there we need to talk about this especially for the young people that um are so vulnerable you know that you can kind of persuade them into anything and um it can it can become dangerous situations so that's what that piece was about, and I enjoy doing it. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm kind of curious, since I guess we're running a bit of time. So with that piece, um, like you said, you're exploring, you know, Venezuela and the history of beauty pageants there. But taking it back to here in San Francisco, what have been some of the topics that you've explored through your art or collaborations? Mm-hmm. Definitely the the archetype of the women and the empowerment of the women and uh, resiliency and transformation has been a big theme uh, in all of the collaborations that I've done in the past and how that connects to uh, nature, nature's rights, animal rights, um, you know, all of the ecofeminism theories. Uh, I had a, I was working with a director, one a, a colleague of mine, Sherry Hill. And um, 
she was really interested in this concept and really helped us understand it through dance. And I'm forever thankful for that. Um, so that's guided my work. And um, uh, what, what was the question? Remind me of the question again so I can answer it more specifically. Yeah, so I was asking about topics that you've uh, explored yeah. in the, yeah. Immigration is a huge topic um, and, and just fits my work in different ways. Uh, from the obvious to uh, feelings, you know, to going more internal and really investigating what does it mean to be, long for something, to have something in the back of your memory but really don't access it, you know, these, these types of more cerebral feelings uh, that fits my work currently. And um, community, I think right now I'm so, so forever grateful for the people that are around me. Uh, I found myself to be around people that want to um, understand themselves, you know, that want to do what fits their soul. And it, 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 and little by little, you know, people that are patient with themselves, people that know the struggle and, and that understand it. And um, that just keeps me so grounded. And that, that inspires my work too, especially through um, this this band, my new band that I'm helping uh, develop uh, in Tibate. We've um, played only for a year and we've received a lot of really good feedback and just um, being in community is what's currently inspiring my work. And hopefully right now we're working in this new piece for September, a new theatrical piece I'm going to be directing. And this will be my first time where I will really bring together all of the different elements that that I am, the music, the dance, the theater, the custom making, the visual art. So I'm looking I'm looking forward to that. And how can people find more information as we get closer to September when the piece will be out? You can always follow the, the you know through the website, through a also our social media handles. You can always stay up to date with the upcoming events and coming out. We are always looking for collaborations. I'm always looking for collaborations and people that want to uh, do share their their skills into uh, whatever it is I'm doing. So if you're if you're an artist, if you um, are interested in the work of um, women's issues and domestic worker issues, labor rights and ecofeminism and um, exploration. I always welcome uh, new ideas. And so, yeah, those are the, the three ways, mainly through Dance Mission Theater website. I will give you my website, but I, it's under construction right now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we, we'll follow up and include, you know, any other links. Um, but thank you so much, Andreina. I really enjoyed chatting with you and learning about all the things that you're working on. Thank you so much, Edaina. I really appreciate it. I hope that it, it's a good product uh, for you. I know that there were some tech issues, but yeah. I hope that you will be able to, to work out with it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with a song written by Andreina titled Colores, which was recorded live at a Jobs for Justice event in San Francisco.
Sorcery, I feel the sorcery, I am the 